everybody's listening ears at home um for the first time ever this is very exciting we're going to introduce ourselves before we begin the podcast the second debut but the first time of names yeah this is and we also have like a little ditty of an outline so this is maybe our most professional thing organized it probably will go downhill from here (laughs) (laughs) so anyway um hello uh, you are sitting here with, I really want to introduce you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're sitting here with Jocelyn Brady. Hello, everyone. Thank you. And please meet Courtney, Courtney Watson. <laughs> oh, no. Were we supposed to use our full names? <laughs> <laughs> We're good well, people. Uh-oh. Hopefully none of my clients hear me on this. <laughs> oh. um, uh, we're not medical professionals. Oh, yeah. Disclaimer, disclaimer. We're just talking about things that we have experienced yeah. and read. And also, just to give you a little, a tiny little background on why we feel that we're qualified to talk about these things, even though we're not, you know, saying that we're professional Medical Medical doctors. Um, I, Courtney, am a mental health professional specializing in grief and trauma and neurodivergent stuff and things. (laughs) And Jocelyn here. Hello. I work as a brain coach, brain advisor. Neuroleadership Institute is my training um, and also a behavior change consultant. With tiny habits, credentials, so basically I'm obsessed with studying neuroscience and behavioral science. Yeah, and she's a story wizard. Story wizard! Oh yeah, I did, actually. I do have my trademark for story science going through as we speak. Yeah, so that's fun. And we also happen to co-produce a workshop. It's not production. It's not... Okay, we have a workshop that uh, the play scientists who... Sponsor us. Thank you so much, Play Thank Scientists. You, Play Scientists. They are really the greatest. They, they are. Everyone they should are work with them. Truly, hire them. If you're lucky enough. If you're lucky enough to get in, because they are booked. Busy. Um, but the Play Scientists are us. Um, and we <laughs> we work with people and businesses and places and da-da-da-da to help them uh, not suck. Yeah, yeah, not suck. Do more what of what you want. Be a better person, human. Yeah. Before the world ends. Yeah, because it's going to. <laughs> So, anywho, now that that intros and disclaimers are done, uh, well, I just want to keep saying Little Diddy, and I don't know why, and it's not like Little Diddy, like uh, P. Diddy Combs, but it's like, (laughs) it's like a Little Diddy. Yeah. Did you like like a a little little Diddy? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, (laughs) we're going to recap (laughs) on what we talked about. Last time, which in this instance is yesterday. <laughs> so, can can you tell we have the ADHD? We have a, the ADHD so, the impulse control issues, and we talked about said having of ADHD and our experiences of getting diagnosed, what it feels like inside of our brain bodies, <laughs> and uh, then also some uh, hard facts about the insurance industry and medical diagnosing, um, mental health diagnosing. Yeah. That was fun times. Fun times. And that was mostly through our own lens. And today we're going to dig deeper into some fun facts, history, some, um, drugs, some drugs, some things about drugs, the value of having something like ADHD Mm -hmm. or specifically actually ADHD. (laughs) Not something (laughs) like, like we're just talking about ADHD today. The, the whole podcast from beginning to end whenever that will happen in our lifetime will not be about ADHD. It's just these these two things that we have here. These episodes. These yeah, maybe talk <clears throat> so. about some personal experience and then some history and mix it up and we yeah. we have a list of things to go through folks. But today focusing 
we're gonna try. Yeah. We were very much so going to try. And who knows, maybe we will attract listeners whose minds also work in tangential ways pew, 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 pew. and are just, again, pure chaos in there. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll appreciate it. <clears throat> Anywho, shall we? Yes, Okay. we shall. So we did the littlest, well, Courtney did the littlest research to get ready for today's episode. I see like seven bullet points. Yeah, there are some bullet points. Um, but Jocelyn here uh, is actually writing a very cool um, mini series, <laughs> <laughs> but not in show form. Yeah, maybe one day. One day uh, about how we got into. Oh, that was it. That was the part. Those were all of the papers. If you heard that, those were all of the papers um, of uh, our experience primarily in America, in the United States, of coming to a place of dare. Don't don't do drugs. Dare. And then the history of drugs. It just like sprouted out into the history of drugs and all this stuff and all of the you know illegal substances. But she just started writing about the history and experience around stimulants Mm -hmm. and ADHD medication and how like ADHD became a thing. So she knows more of that history than I do. So we're going to tag team it. Tag team. I mean, we're probably always going to tag team this (laughs) podcast. Um, Yeah, we did talk. So last time I did mention that man, um, George Frederick Still, hopefully I got his name right last time, but that's his name. Um, and he's the one who came up with what is sort of the foreground background of ADHD, you know, abnormal defect of moral control. And that's before yeah. it got the name hyperkinetic, uh, disorder. I think it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got really interested in, first of all, like we talked about, it's like the, the kids who weren't behaving in class. Mm. Those are the ones that got called out. You're not sitting still. You're not obeying orders. And then, you know, what America did what it does best, they prescribe some drugs to take care of this unruly creative behavior. Yeah. We like to pretend that we appreciate creativity and then we stifle it at every corner. So yay. Yeah. And there's, I don't have this in front of me, but there is the, one of the biggest studies ever done on teachers. So all the teachers are saying we really value creativity. We swear. And most of us would agree. I think most people say, yeah, creativity is important. It might even be vital. You might think it's one of the most important things, which I would tend to agree. And the teachers would then, um, you know, kind of measure these traits and say, these are the things that we value. And then once they see these behaviors in class, it's actually the exact opposite, right? Because creative behaviors, creative exhibitions are usually not following the order and not necessarily behaving in the way that everybody wants because they're creative. That's the nature of creativity. Yeah. It's finding alternate ways of doing things or being or experiencing. And that is often disruptive. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to have really good, um, productive factory workers that do the same thing all the time, having a creative mind in the class who's like, Hey, but I have a question. Or how about we try this a different way isn't um, what the system wants. Yeah, let's not even get into (laughs) why schools really began as like a full-fledged thing that wasn't just for rich people in this country. Industrial (laughs) revolution. It was just for workers. It was just to create workers, right? Yeah. I don't know. I think that's a big... Sure. Yeah. Sure. Let's go with that. (laughs) Let's in a whole other episode. But what I found out is that one of the first, um, you know... Uh, drugs to medicate away your moral defect was Benzedrine, and it originally when, came about. When did Mr. Stills create this moral landscape of hyperactivity? He was. So let's see. The, the original name, hyperkinetic reaction of childhood. Ugh. It, and then those traits that encompass it, encompass it, <laughs> encompass that, mm-hmm. um, what we now call ADHD, were first mentioned in 1902. By this, he's a British kid doctor or a pediatrician. Um, British kid doctor. <laughs> yeah, George Frederick Still. So, yeah, back in 1902. And then okay. after that, in the 30s. 1936. Um, Benzedrine. Benzed- benzos, right? And Is that what Benzedrine was? It was I, a benzo? I guess so. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I think Benny's. Benny's, they used to call them for short. 
is that's like, uh, it was uh, Smith, Klein, and French, SKF. They're now known as Glaxo, Smith, Klein. They came up with it. And originally they, they were using it for treatment of things like asthma huh. and bronchitis and that sort of thing. Interesting. Um, but then people were like, oh, these have fun side effects. <laughs> I'm like super creative and productive. So, yeah, yeah Jack Kerouac w- it was a good good proponent of the Bennies, and he went on a three-week bender to write On the Road, um, amped up on this shit. And then there's this other guy. He's a mathematician, Paul Erdos. Um, he was like, ah, he was hooked on it, and then he took a month off, and he said, I didn't get any work done. I'd get up in the morning and stare at a blank piece of paper. I'd have no ideas, just like an ordinary person. <laughs> So back on Benny's he went. Oh, man. Yeah, that's super fun. And this same drug, um, it started to get taken up in psychiatry, right? And people are like, hmm, this is interesting. It gets people to do things. It gets them to be more productive. Let's give it to the depressed men and women of America who are unhappy in the lives that we told them they should want. Yeah, because they'll be more productive uh, and effective in society yeah and especially if you're going to war and you want them to stay awake and shoot 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 that would be a fun thing to talk about sometime war drug wars (laughs) war drugs drugs in war yes the thing anyway continue yeah oh but um don't worry everyone (laughs) (laughs) need more need more bennies um yeah so this is a yeah 1945 an estimated 13 million Tablets were produced every month, which is enough for half a million people to take it every day. Wow. And that's back then. Wow. Okay. When did this fall out of favor? So Benzedrine, um, it had these unpleasant side effects of um, destroying your body. Oh. (laughs) um, Just that... Yeah, a bit there. There's this guy. So Kerouac, he was uh, put in the hospital for thrombophlebitis. I don't know what that is, but it sounds bad. Um, mm. But he was, yeah, hospitalized for that. And um, W.H. Auden, uh, he was also a chain smoker and an alcoholic, but he, you know, his heart gave out. Um, but as as people started to notice these unpleasant side effects, and maybe we shouldn't be giving this to kids if it's killing, if it's leading to an early death, um, Ritalin stepped up into the spotlight. Mm. Methylphenidate. Methylphenidate. Yeah, which I love this ad, so you people you people can't <laughs> see it. But there's this woman with her vacuum cleaner, and it's advertising Ritalin, and it's just so suggestive. It's like, hey, lady, you sad about your chores? Action minutes. Ritalin. Offers outstanding safety. Provides especially <laughs> valuable for the elderly. And then there's a huge quote of, helps relieve chronic fatigue and apathy quickly. Apathy. Yeah. Get that? <laughs> You don't like your you don't like your class, you don't like your home, you don't like your marriage, you don't like your Stepford wife life. Yeah, you don't want to vacuum. You don't want to do the same mundane things day after day after day. Shh. Here's a pill. Two pills every day. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, it also helps suppress your appetite so you can look like the uh <clears throat> stay fit and slim. Yes. The 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 mm, the wow body type of the time which i guess is usually always in barbie yeah yeah um okay yeah so ritalin ritalin which is still widely prescribed i don't know all the the statistics on that but it we all we also now have a whole um rainbow of of yeah these types of right what is it concerta vivance um well they like variations of and amphetamine, but not yes. necessarily um, methylphenidate. Right. And um, and then... Adderall. 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 Which is uh, what dimethyl... Try something, something. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a whole slew of things nowadays that we can take for ADHD or also for, like, narcolepsy and sleep disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but fun, not-so-fun thing for all of the people struggling with this uh, is the impact that COVID had on the distribution Mm, of this and still is continuing. So, like, people having to turn to other other drug classes, um, not drug classes, well, kind of, but other drug 
types like um, SNRIs, uh, so selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors instead of serotonin, um, or uh, SSRIs to help with their difficulties in being a, what's it called? A an effective member, member of society. society. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, especially when you're going through a traumatic, uh, like, collective trauma experience yeah. like COVID and yeah. the world's shutting down and you're not getting clarity and people are fighting or more divided than ever and people are yeah. like, but we need you to keep making the widgets yeah. with your mind. And so a, a little bit of a tangent, but not so fully tangential that I'm not going to say it right now. Uh, <laughs> you know... Jocelyn and I both don't take medication for our ADHD. I think that's okay to say, right? Yeah. I mean, um, I've definitely experimented we, we've with experimented things. We've experimented with them. And, we, and I've been prescribed things, and I have done it for a period of time. But, like, it's not because it wouldn't be necessary. It's that we've created lives in which we are not beholden to a lot of the outside expectations that most people are beholden to because of jobs, because of corporate America, because of like certain societal expectations of women or whoever you are. Um, we have our own businesses. We live our own lives. We have partners who understand. Um, we really set ourselves up to thrive in the structure that we need yeah instead of others and i have no judgment against people who turn to any drug i do have judgment against the pharmaceutical companies and the lack of transparency and the um like insistence that people prescribe to a mold and if they don't do that there's something quote wrong with them like even the word disorder Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. calling adh calling any of these things a disorder it's like autism the same it's like why this is a, a natural variance of human behavior. Yeah. Of any animal behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And because of the life that both of us live, <clears throat> the lives that both of us live, we are able to get by without medication. Um, I would absolutely have to be on stimulants if I had to go into a nine-to-five job. Yeah. There's no way... And I have had to go into nine to five jobs and I have usually never lasted longer than nine months. (laughs) I do a really good job for about three months. I fucking rock it. It I fix all the problems. And then I'm like, oh my God, this is the most boring. This boss person has no idea what they're doing. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, lots of issues uh, interpersonally with uh, coworkers. And (laughs) that's about as long as I lasted at my uh, only job yeah uh well like only office job i guess yeah. is out of college i did a lot of different kinds of jobs uh the bartending i think is is uniquely suited to people who have this kind you're like the service industry creating. is very suited yeah it, for, in some way in another way like i hated waiting tables but i did like bartending because i could just make stuff and talk to people directly who came to me and i didn't have to go up to them and mm-hmm. be like do you want some more diet soda with that um god <laughs> Guys, there's a guy who called me Wheels. Hey, Wheels, I'd like some more Diet Coke. Oh, Wheels? Wheels, because we wore shorts, or little khaki shorts outside um, Newport Bay restaurant, Floating Fish House. Anyway, what? Oh, yeah, so the uh, job that I had that I that they quit me, um, they told me I quit. It's a, long, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, but that was, I got, I was the same. It's like, I'm going to rock this. I'm going to be the best at this thing. And then I was like, this is super boring. Um, it's like, well, I shouldn't be a project manager. I was a project manager slash writer. And then I had ideas mm. and I was, um, constantly sharing them and that wasn't appreciated. And it was supposed to be a flat structure and blah, 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 blah. And, and I was super annoying. Cause it's just like, I didn't, in I had questions I wanted to try different things and they're like you need to do these particular things and I was like I don't understand why yeah so they're like okay well then you're out of here (laughs) yeah and like yeah there's so many things wrong with this the structure and way that offices are run these days just for everyone regardless of neurodivergence or not but 
with the added issue of, not an issue, but with the added difference of neurodivergence, it just becomes so grating on the soul. Like, I, so much irritability, so much anger, so much uh, moodiness, mm-hmm. <laughs> depression. It's just, and, and I know not everybody can run their own business or is capable of staying organized enough or knowing what to do enough to, to do that. But it really has been one of the best things that I've done for myself. Starting your own business. Yeah. 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 Same. I, I mean, it was immediately, it was the June 9th was the day they, they fired me and told me to quit, et cetera. Um, June 11th is my birthday. And I, that was that all in that same week, I was like, well, I guess I'm starting a business. I'm going to like earn a living writing s- stuff and telling stories. And I did. And I, I just like figured it out. It's like, okay, I'm going to, that was 2008. Just went, how do I start business? And then I found the forms and then I just was like submit it that week. And because I had no patience, I couldn't think of a good name. And I called it um, histoire, the French word for story, Aww. which is like the worst thing to name something in America. So I couldn't even say, it was just like, <laughs> what now? H-I-S-T-O-I-R-E. It's the French word for story. And oh God, I changed it the following week when I thought of scribe. <laughs> yes. But sometimes you follow the impulse and then you can just like figure it out. Exactly. And that's what... ADHD is so good at and so um, it's so prevalent within the population of people that have ADHD is like, okay, there's a problem. I will find a solution to this problem and probably in a very unique way. Mm -hmm. There aren't a lot of things that we can't figure out. It's just whether or not that thing is interesting enough right to want us to give attention to it yeah and that's like the like when we talked about like big big eruptions sometimes literally um make me feel on fire again sometimes literally um (laughs) but like covid when covid started it had the same like all systems go problem solving mode People need help with clarity and to feel connected and um, to not want to die murder, right? Mm -hmm. And I had, like, just was lit up with this sense of, like, purpose. Mm -hmm. Be like, I'm going to just reach out to as many people as I can. I'm going to just figure stuff out. And when things are... I'm a great leader in a disaster scenario. Yeah. Not so much what I would call mundane like everyday sorts of you don't want me to be the person who's in charge of creating and maintaining structure and systems and organization I will just collapse and so will everything (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um it disaster situations or uh what's another word for that big big bads big baddies (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we're, we're very, very good in a crisis situation. There yeah. we go. Um, okay. We got so off track, but any more with that history there? I think that's good. The drugs. I do think, um, I find it interesting. So like, just like a tiny little brain note that it, um, these drugs, they, they don't know necessarily how any of them work, which is super fun, but they have theories and, um, this like, these activate epinephrine they're they're acting on your neuroepinephrine like basically adrenaline and dopamine like dopaminergic circuits so these are the systems that the theory is with behind people who are really really creative and also it can veer into less um helpful area like schizophrenia and things like you could be so creative that you imagine um, the sun being a god and tell a story about it, or you can think that the sun is an actual god who's talking to you to tell you to burn down the house next door. Right. That's problematic. So, right. yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's going to be a common theme as we get deeper into the various um, mental health issues that are so far classified. Yeah. Is that we 
have a medical model understanding. We have the disease model understanding of uh, what these mental illnesses are. But there's not a lot of evidence, mm. as we've been finding out, for like a lot of these drugs um, or a lot of the things that we believed, let's say, like depression was. Like depression is not a serotonin, a uh, lack of serotonin. Um, like it's not in isolation and an SSRI is not the, the solution. And in right. fact is often problematic because you have to keep changing. And yeah, that. it's obviously multi-systemic. Like, yeah. it's a, <laughs> there's a lot of different things Shockingly, that go into... brains and behaviors are complicated. Yeah, who would have thunk it? So, um, so, essentially, same thing here. Um, we do know that stimulants are effective for a lot of ADHD, um, but doesn't mean that it's going to be of benefit for the person and what they need it might just be of benefit for what society is wanting. Yeah. It might be good for the teachers and the bosses and might not be good for the human being. Right. Um, but one other piece around drugs is that, uh, you know, it's not just the stimulant class and the, um, other drugs that you can get prescribed that people often go to. There's other stimulants that are not prescribed. They used to be prescribed, (laughs) but they're not anymore. Um, Like cocaine, for instance. Mm. Um, We are not sitting here um, encouraging anyone to go and do such drugs. Just want to say disclaimer. But uh, we are naming that it is something that people turn towards when, one, either they don't have a diagnosis and they're trying desperately to feel either calmer or feel more um, tuned in in order to do things, uh, or they are diagnosed and can't get their drugs, their yeah. prescriptions that they need, um, or, you know, it's just for funsies. So... Um, <laughs> I think that Jocelyn has a quote that she wants to read. Yeah, it's fun. Um, Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Uh, It's not the one. Okay, so there's just a little thing about, um, and this is from the book ADHD, A Hunter in a Farmer's World by Tom Hartman. Highly recommend it. Uh, So he's talking about Sherlock Holmes and, you know, Holmes and Watson are sitting there. And Watson is kind of like, yo, maybe chill on all the cocaine, Sherlock. And Sherlock's like, My mind, he said, rebels at stagnation. Give me problems, give me work, give me the most abstruse cryptogram or the most intricate analysis and I am in my own proper atmosphere. I can dispense then with artificial stimulants. But I abhor the dull routine of existence. I crave for mental exaltation. That is why I have chosen my own particular profession. Yep. Well suited to his job. Well suited and well spoken there, Mr. Holmes. So... Yes. Uh, I think that's all. I think that's all that I wanted to say about cocaine. But I think that we we could probably track back and see how, you know, there are differences in the way that people who don't have ADHD experience cocaine and for people who do have ADHD. Um, Oftentimes people who don't have it... um, they feel jacked up. <laughs> they feel fucking roaring and ready to go. And a lot of times with people with ADHD, um, it, it kind of goes one way or the other. They feel a lot of uh, like euphoria and joy or they feel really calm. Mm. Uh, and especially for somebody who has like racing thoughts all the time, that calmness is what the stimulants... Um, like the prescribed ones are there to create. So I will say from personal experience, um, mom and dad, close your ears. Uh, Turn the podcast off now. <laughs> I, I love cocaine. I am terrified to take it now. I won't. I'm too scared. There's too much shit going on with the fentanyl and all that. Yeah. Um, but man, I remember just like, Whoa, I feel like you, like that euphoria. I hadn't heard that described that way, which makes... I'm surprised I actually haven't heard that because it makes so much sense. It's just like, ah, I can focus on yeah. one thing very intently. 
Yeah. Like, and get stuff done and feel joy even, even doing the Monday, like, I'm just going to clean the house. And I still have my bursts of doing that drug-free. Um, but I, like, when people would talk about, like, being super jacked and da 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 I'm sure if you do enough, maybe yeah. that would happen to anybody. But I did not experience that. But I, I didn't have a positive perception of it until I tried it myself. Because before that... My very first encounter with it was in this apartment in downtown Portland. I was on, um, I was in apartment 1313, and there was one floor above me. And there was some dudes having a party, and they walked outside on the porch, and I was outside on my porch, kind of leaning over, just like sipping in the wind or whatever. And a stream of urine oh. comes down next to me. Fun. And the guy says, I love cocaine! <laughs> thought I would never try it, and then I was wrong. Oh, my God. What a life to live, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, uh, m- m- my drug of choice uh, <laughs> back in the day um, was also stimulant-related, and it was, it, it was, like, the the background noise just kind of gets turned off. Yeah. And you get to just be, you you get to focus on whatever it is that you want to focus on. And I think that that is, um, oh no, I'm going to say something and I apologize because it is overused, but that is the privilege of having um, a neurotypical mind is that you can focus on things. Not all the time. Uh, we're not supposed to focus all the time. But if you need to, um, I believe that they can. Um, well, and that goes into the, you know, it's like they're, they're uh, here's what I like about the field of, say, positive psychology. Finally, somebody starts focusing on the positive attributes of humans, right? Because before that we had, just, everything is just yeah. focused on, maladaptive yeah exactly diagnosing disorder yeah and so that there's been this flourishing of um literally martin seligman seligman wrote the book flourishing talking about how to you know embrace your strengths and all of that and then i think um talking about we we need all types of minds and if we can design our systems around the way that we work that humans work best collectively and that doesn't mean like that does mean it takes more work, right? You have to tailor things a little more, a little more to the individual, and you can put people in the right positions where they thrive. Yeah, and that's like having that the hunter, um, hunter versus farmer, or the um, um, like that. That uh, there's the gene, the forager gene, where they yep. look at fruit flies and they're like, some fruit flies like to kind of hang tight in the inner circle, and then the other ones, this like smaller percentage goes like. She's, she's bouncing her hands all around in, like, a larger circle. They're like, they're like oh, da, da, I want to go explore. And we need both. We, yeah. need the, we need the tenders of the home and the explorers to, to forage, to look for things, to yeah. bring things back, to bring in messages, to look out for danger. Right. And that latter aspect is closer to the experience of what we have assumed or surmised ADHD to be throughout evolution. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's another thing for um, uh, another allele. It's called the DRD4. And they believe that this is uh, connected to ADHD. Um, I know that it is a dopamine-specific allele, uh, but it is connected to ADHD more than likely. And they believe that this allele frequency uh, in certain populace- populations <laughs> shows that uh, it increases migratory patterns for humans. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is they did a study <laughs> and they, they looked at various populations and the ones that were more sedentary had less frequency of this allele. And the ones that were more migratory had more uh, frequency of this allele. And it's just fascinating because it is this aspect of um, 
novelty seeking mm -hmm. of, um, you know, getting out into the world and discovering something, feeling like you can't sit still, quote unquote, could be part of the reason why we discover so much in this world, why we, you know, got ourselves to space, why we are going down into the sea. Sure, it can also cause genocide and, <laughs> and colonialization. Yeah. Um, but it but, is interesting having that, like, and that we need the spectrum and having these people who, who possess the genetic traits that push them to do, to have certain behavioral tendencies and they can be, you know, sort of expressed in different ways and turned on and turned off. And, um, and in another plug for another book, Jocelyn does reading for a second, the molecule of more, uh, how a single chemical in your brain drives love, sex, creativity, and will determine the fate of the human race. Boom. Anyway. Oh my um, God. I hope you could understand that. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fast. Uh, this is, um, talking about that exact thing. So once it's established that the 7R allele of the DRD4 gene was related to how far a population migrated, the next question was why? And the obvious answer, this is from the authors, is that dopamine makes people seek out more. It makes them restless and dissatisfied. It makes them long for something better. And these are the people who tend to go out, right? It carries um, a survival advantage. Exactly what you just said, right? You might as well have written this book. It drives you to explore yeah. the new environment. And to seek out opportunities, maximize, maximize resources. And these folks are restless and dissatisfied of sitting still. Yeah. So I think that that is a good place to lead into just kind of like ticking down the, the box of the various anthropological evolutionary advantages of ADHD. Yeah. And honestly, uh, I, th I think that there's been, you know, all sorts of... Um, looky lose looking into history <laughs> <laughs> looking, back, looking back and seeing that ADHD has been with us for as long as humans have been humans right because um, all that it is is some that we think <laughs> is some sort of difference with our norepinephrine and dopamine right um, and we have had those always. So there's always going to be the possibility of um, those chemicals and uh, receptors being wonked, wonkified. Wonkified, said the looky-loos. Said the looky-loos. <laughs> um, and also, there is a strong genetic component that we see in ADHD. Um, I think that... There's there are obviously people who get it that they don't have someone in their family history who has had it. Granted, I think that that's probably something that would want to be looked into further because a lot of people just weren't diagnosed right back in the day. Um, but also, um, like we said at our first episode, trauma the experience of trauma and the way that it affects the body can um, mimic the way that like ADHD and anxiety and um, certain neurodivergent traits uh, show up and look like. So it could be that somebody maybe had trauma in their childhood and the way that their nervous system grew to protect that trauma uh, creates behaviors or um, symptoms, signs that are parallel to or mirror of That's like, ADHD traits. That's like what Gabor Mate mm -hmm. talks about that quite a lot, right? Like he experienced a lot of childhood trauma, like generational trauma, mm. and then exhibited behaviors that I don't know that he said it, if he was like disputing that he had it or that he could, that it was recoverable. Just basically saying what you're saying. It's just like experiencing a lot of trauma made his expressions come out in those sorts of like maladaptive ways. Yeah. 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 You can, you can kind of show up with a whole slew of things that could look like a whole slew of other, uh, mental health diagnoses, um, because of trauma. So, yeah. Also it's like, it's so much, to, there's so much to say about if we can embrace these differences, how much better we all be. Like, like diversity in the planet 
it makes things more fertile and healthy and sustainable. You know, sustainable. And likewise with the way people's minds work, the neurodivergence kind of argument, right? It's like if we can embrace these, celebrate even these differences, we're all going to be better off. Like how yeah. do you nurture? And because we live in such an individualistic society, I think that can be very frustrating. In for, the West. In, the, in, in America. Um, <laughs> that's a transatlantic America. Uh, we do ourselves a disservice trying to do everything on our own. It's like, I Absolutely. have a hard time going to the post office, as you know. Mm-hmm. Courtney had to drive me to the post office because I just, she would check on me. And I'd be like, did, did you go to the post office today, Jocelyn? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I did everything else. And I was like, here, let me show you how easy this is. Yeah. And then she drove me and I was like, it is easy. Yeah, we just walked in and placed the packages down and left. <laughs> that's the thing like there there are just these certain tasks that I think our minds get trapped on where it feels insurmountable anyway <laughs> we're so off track it's unbelievable but that's why you guys listen to us because Tra- it's fun it's fun isn't it boo boo um so yes I was talking about the Oh, evolutionary aspect of ADHD, how it's been with us since the beginning of time. Um, And so we can think back to what our early ancestors might have been experiencing. Um, You know, living out in the wild, um, not having... um, Not having... Houses. Fucking books or TV or anything (laughs) else. Like, nothing to stimulate you beyond the things that you create or the things that you find, or the people that you are surrounded by, having to hunt and gather for your food, um, having to be very aware Mm -hmm. of your surroundings, um, of, you know, if there are predators or if there's prey that you can catch to eat, all sorts of things. And if we think about the way that ADHD uh, is experienced, you know, we have... um, hyperactivity so what that looks like is a lot of energy uh inability to sit still um like mindless chittery chattery (laughs) (laughs) um needing to constantly do something with your hands Mm. for instance and we have inattentiveness uh oh and also hypervigilance so being you know doubly aware of what's going on in your surroundings and then inattentiveness, um, which uh, is something that I don't often experience, so I'm not going to talk about it, actually. <laughs> um, anyway, but so many of the things that we were experiencing back then, the way in which the ADHD brain creates behaviors could have been seen as advantageous. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was listening to a podcast earlier. I don't remember the name. I'm so sorry. Pure Uh, chaos. It was pure chaos. It was us. It was us. (laughs) And they were talking about how, um, you know, the the ADHD traits must have been desirable uh, for certain people throughout history because they're still within our population today. They're like four to five, three to five percent of the population has ADHD. Um, that we know of and that means that it has not been selected out right and if anything it looks like it might be growing right whether by and who knows if it's actually growing or if it's just that we have finally put a name to it and we're recognizing it more yeah don't know but also but also oh my god this could be an entire episode on its own the aspect of our current world and technology increasing mm-hmm. the mm, perception of ADHD because it really is just oh what does he call it um oh shorts cir- circuits no it's like uh because of all of the stimulus that we have we get fatigued Mm. by the intensity of the stimulus um it's like a cognitive overload 
kind of. We'll have someone come on and talk about things um, who <laughs> is the person I'm thinking of. Um, uh, his name eh. is a name. He has a name. He has a name. Anyway, uh, so back to the anthropological advantages. I swear to God, we're going to get through this. Um, so there could have been, uh, like we said, higher migration habits um, because of that novelty seeking that need to get out and run around the world and then novelty seeking um and hypervigilance there's the likelihood of taking risks you know due to that inability of being able to sit and deal with any kind of boredom <laughs> you could be discovering new things or uh creating new things um yeah like the risk is worth it because you you can't stand the boredom so you're like i might as well go explore the weird yeah. sound in the cave Yeah, and also there's lack of impulse control. And so it's like when we think about a thing, we go do, we do the thing. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of in-between time. And if there is in-between time, I don't know about you, it drives me fucking bonkers. Yeah. Like, it drives me wild. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I have to do the thing now. Um, And so, you know, a lot, sure, it can be uh, dis advantageous um because you could die but it could also be you know high risk high reward yeah so um there's that then hypervigilance that can be uh again with finding prey or finding food or finding predators Mm -hmm. um and like heightened heightened senses, heightened like senses. everything is very. That's that's like the distractibility. What we what we call now is easily distracted. Yeah, is advantageous when you think like, well, if you're paying if you're paying attention to all the sights and sounds and the way the leaves rustle and the way the light shifts, then you're picking up on stuff that other people might not, which yeah. could be the um, hungry hungry tiger. I thought you were gonna say hippo, which they apparently do murder more people. Uh, but also with that um inattentiveness there is the daydreaming aspect Mm. and i imagine that a lot of our i i wonder i i will say i wonder if some of our greatest minds in philosophy might have had this right because they're able to lose themselves within their thoughts they're able to lose themselves within ideas and wondering about existence in the world yeah it's like well i do think there's like when people are t- well it's when people are talking about something really boring and you're in class or something and your mind is just going like i wonder what the history of cheese is and then you just start imagining cheese moons and things that's a great example uh this is really <laughs> yeah cheese moons is definitely <laughs> like core human experience and existential questions. That's when good. the moon hits your eye like a big a pizza, pizza pie. <laughs> ADHD. Holy shit. So, <laughs> and there's also the aspect of uh, hyper-focusing. Mm. So, hyper-focusing, you can, it's like, I'm not going to, I literally can't stop doing what I'm doing. Like, Almost to our own detriment. Like, I will not get up and go to the bathroom. I will not eat eat food. I have to finish this thing. And so, you know, if you think about it, it's like uh, building a hut or finding the thing that you were setting out to find or um, finishing off the craft that you were finishing or whatever, whatever it is (laughs) that they would do back in the day. you would have someone determined to get the thing completed. Maybe while everyone else is exhausted and can't continue, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and then more creativity equals more invention, uh, more innovation. And then there's also the aspect here of like lack of sleep um, or circadian rhythm. So not really hooking up to the proper channels of what sleep looks like for a quote-unquote normal neurotypical person. And what would that do? Well, you have the people, the watchers, yeah, helping you not die in your sleep because yeah. they're paying attention at, t- at hours you call crazy. Exactly. And so maybe 
those would be the people who would help at night or they would take over for people and give people a break or whatever it might be or there just might be more people it's like there's all of these little aspects of what we have seen as possibly disadvantage oh my god <laughs> disadvantageous uh for ADHD in the modern age that would actually be beneficial for ADHD in honestly any time pre-industrialization yeah so let's bring back let's bring back but better back better back better well <laughs> try not to say a, a slogan i don't like yeah um yeah but also it wasn't better but like that's what i mean <laughs> better times back to the future okay what i'm trying to say is let's make things improved <laughs> so that she is not a red hatter <laughs> what she's trying to say is hey how about we make things good for everyone instead of just for the yeah. people that mash up with industrialization? Which I do think we saw some benefits coming out of um, COVID when the people were like, yeah. oh, Absolutely. the way things are set up isn't working for everybody. And They're trying so hard to go roll go that back. Back into the box, people go back. And the yeah. children don't say things. And that's what I love about so much of the young generation speaking up about, oh, yeah. you guys are full of shit. We're not falling for your dumb rules that don't make sense and do not cater to mental health and community yeah. and sustainability and the earth. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So that is everything on our list which is wild because we went so far off all the things it's also almost an hour-long episode um but essentially it's been here a long time there's lots of advantages but there's also lots of disadvantages um for it too if you have to subscribe to the way life is granted i can see my own disadvantages with it still even though i don't have to deal with a lot of the world's bullshit yeah i mean i do <laughs> I live in the world but i don't have to deal with a boss how about that but um it's just also like i think it's important to acknowledge that there are strengths in what other people call weakness and disorder and yeah. um and we need each other yeah and we need people to come forward and name what their personal experiences are because yeah. that helps us to connect and understand and see that we're not alone. We're not crazy. We're not whatever. Like these things are normal. These things are part of the human experience. And it's just a different experience than what has been the normative. Yeah. The story that's been prescribed to us. Exactly. So, so, with that prescription little thing right there, uh, we'll just name, you know, remember that there's a cost of medicating away all of those advantages. Yeah. But there's also a cost of not medicating if you have to live in this world. <laughs> so, so, take your own journey. Take your own medicine. Oh, take your own medicine. <laughs> um, anything else that... Do you want to name today for the audience? There? I think I think we've done a good job of the spectrum of ADHD in the world, in the history, in the drugs, and um, you know, choose your own adventure. Mm. And you're doing a great job. Yeah, you're doing a great job, guys. Yeah, so keep keep going. Keep keep it up. Don't you worry. All right, All we're right. signing off. Bye bye.